this morning we come to the end of our study on the attributes of Yahweh by exploring God's attributes of forgiveness in a sermon entitled Yahweh is forgiven Yahweh is forgiven we will also put our God's names series aside and focus on the season of Lent and work our way toward the Passion Week, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. But if you have your Bible this morning, could you turn with me to Exodus in chapter number 34? We're going to read from verses 6 to 7. And as a tradition, when you find it, please rise to your feet in honor of the reading of God's word. Exodus chapter 34. Beginning to read at verse 6, the Bible says, The Lord passed before him, him being Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. And are you ready for this? Here it comes. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. I'll repeat that phrase. Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Bow your heads with me in prayer, please. God, our eternal and immortal Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to look intently in your word, or into your written word. We ask that, Lord, you may open our spiritual understanding to comprehend what the Holy Spirit is saying to the body of Christ through our text. Please give us the grace that we need to be alert and receptive to your word. May we not be hearers only or listeners, but may we be doers of your word. May we go home and apply this word to our lives. We give you honor, we give you thanks, because we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. And somebody in the house said amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Given the fact that our theological expectations, spoken and unspoken, our cultural norms and traditions are usually twisted because of our humanity, it is imperative that we get our suppositions about God's attribute of forgiveness checked and he found wanting he found 
out of alignment with God's word, get them untwisted. While Yahweh is always forgiven, he is also a God of wrath who punishes sinners to the third and fourth generation. How can a merciful, gracious, long-suffering, compassionate, and forgiving God, who is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, be also a God of wrath, administering punishment when needed? Go figure. But the truth is that in spite of the wrath of God, Yahweh is ready and willing to forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin. Because he is a merciful God, he is a gracious God, slow to anger, and forgiven. Why? Because of his unconditional love. Remember, God is love. Now, what is the difference between sin, iniquity, and transgression? What is the difference between sin, iniquity, and transgression? In the Greek, the word transliterated hamatia, hatal in Hebrew, is translated as sin, meaning to miss the mark of God's will or holy standard of righteousness. In an ethical sense due to spiritual or moral failure. Avon in Hebrew often translated iniquity relates more to the inner character and points to an intentional twisting of a given standard. In other words, iniquity is proclivity, appetite, or inclination to doing our own will instead of the will of God. Pesha, in Hebrew, often translated as transgression, means a violation of a law, standard, expectation, command, or duty. It is more of a willful rebellion, an infringement, an offense, a contravention or infraction against a given standard, conviction, 
or expectation. It refers to deceitful, rebellious, deliberate acts of disobedience, trespass, or unfaithfulness to God. Now, we see the words sin, iniquity, and transgression in their nuances used interchangeably in Psalm 52 and Psalm, Psalm 32, sorry, and Psalm 51. In Psalm 32 verse 1, the Bible says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Underline the word transgressions and the word sins. In Psalm 32 verse 5, David prays, Then I acknowledged my sin before God, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Underline the word sin, iniquity, and transgression. On Psalm 51 verse 1 to 3, David prays again. Have mercy on me, O Lord, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin are always before me. Our text says, the Lord forgives all of it. Iniquity, transgressions, and sin. God is able to forgive all of it. Which brings us to our first question. What is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? The word forgive means to wipe the slate clean, to pardon, to cancel a debt. Psychology defines forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you regardless of whether they actually deserve to be forgiven. Beloved, we forgive others when we let go of resentment and give up any claim to be compensated for the hurt or the loss we have suffered. Usually it's painful to forgive having 
suffered hurt or loss. It's not easy. But with God, nothing is impossible. Because God is able. In other words, forgiveness is a decision to not hold something against another person despite what they have done against you. In spite of the gravity of what they did, what they said against you, you choose conscious choice. You choose to forgive anyway. So God will not twist your hand to forgive. You have to make a choice yourself. Now let me make a few statements relating to forgiveness. When we wrong someone, we seek their forgiveness in order for our broken relationship to be restored. Forgiveness is not granted because a person deserves to be forgiven. So don't wait for an apology. Before you can forgive. Because the person who caused so much pain in your life. On paper, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Absolutely. None of us deserves to be forgiven of our sins. Because forgiveness is an act of love, it's an act of mercy, it's an act of grace, and it's an act of generosity. I don't care who they are, I don't care who it is. They don't deserve to be forgiven, but because of mercy, grace, and our own love and generosity, we forgive people. So let's dig a little deeper into this. God's forgiveness is an expression of his love. God himself tells us in Exodus chapter 34 verse 7, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I choose to love. You don't deserve my love, but I choose to love you anyway. And because of that, I forgive iniquity, transgressions, and sin. God forgives us because he loves us. Second, God's forgiveness is an expression of his grace. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 17 tells us, You are a God of forgiveness. Gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. 
Grace is choosing to bless someone who does not deserve the blessing. God's forgiveness is an act of grace. We don't deserve it and we cannot earn it. Salvation is a gift from God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Third, God's forgiveness is an expression of mercy. Again, Nehemiah 9 verse 17 says, You are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. Mercy, saints, is choosing to withhold punishment that someone deserves. I remember holding punishment from someone after they hit me in the face. I was going to hit that person 10 times harder than they did so that they would never attempt again to do that to me. But I held back. And that was just after I gave my life to Jesus. And that was unlike me, okay? I didn't start a fight, but once you start a fight, one of us will die. But that person did that to me without me knowing, and I withheld punishment, even though I could hit him ten times harder. He'll never rise again. That is mercy, withholding punishment. Well, God's forgiveness, sense, is an act of mercy. God withheld punishment. We deserve punishment for our iniquities, our rebellion, and our sin, but God chooses to forgive instead. Fourth, God's forgiveness is an expression of his generosity. In Romans chapter 5, verse 15, Paul refers to God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through Jesus Christ. Now, a gift is something voluntarily given to someone to demonstrate love and kindness toward that person. God's forgiveness is a sign of God demonstrating how much he loves us and gave us a free gift of eternal life. We didn't have to pay for it. Jesus paid for it on the cross. We didn't have to end it. Jesus ended it for us. He became sin, he who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God. Here's our second question. Why do we need God's forgiveness in the first place? Why do we need God's forgiveness? We need forgiveness from God because we were born in sin. And without forgiveness, we will receive the consequences of our sin. And that is because of the doctrine of the original sin and the doctrine of total depravity. 
If you would like to Google that, you'll find out more theological uh, debates about the original sin and total depravity. But Paul in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone in Adam sinned. When sin entered the human race, it spread from one generation to the next, to you and me. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God, and we are rebellious toward God. We are all broken, and we all do our own thing without God and against God. Sometimes even without thinking. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 affirms, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. There's none, not one. Only through Christ. And now, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So none of us can claim righteousness without Christ. We make God a liar, and the truth is not in us. Which brings us to the next question. How do I receive God's forgiveness? How do I receive God's forgiveness? That is the expectation. The expectation is that God forgives our sin when we repent. But how can I receive God's forgiveness? Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 3, verse 36. The Bible there clearly says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. God's anger remains on the children of disobedience if they refuse the gifts that Jesus has to offer. There are three pieces to receiving God's forgiveness. The first piece involves faith. Jesus was having dinner with a Pharisee. A woman approaches, approaches Jesus crying and she falls at his feet. The Bible describes her as an immoral woman. The Pharisee who invited Jesus in the house for dinner did not like this and ended up having a theological conversation about forgiveness with Jesus. In that discussion, Jesus said, I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But the person who is given little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, 
Your sins are forgiven. Then the men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sin? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Find that in Luke chapter 7 verse 36 to 50. Now, here's the point. Jesus connected faith and forgiveness. We must believe that Jesus can forgive sin. For without faith, it is impossible to receive anything from God. We can't even please God. Therefore, faith is connected to forgiveness. The second piece involves confession. We are told in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is agreeing with God about your sin. You acknowledge your sin and seek forgiveness from God by faith. For the immoral woman, her confession of her sins is seen in her faith actions of falling before Jesus and crying at his feet regarding her sins, for they were many. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because with your heart you believe, with your mouth you confess that which is in your heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus talks about faith, forgiveness, and confession. And then, the third aspect involves repentance. Jesus said in Luke chapter 24 verse 47, There is forgiveness of sins for all, for all who repent. Jesus adds the word repent to the mix. Peter also says in Acts chapter 3 verse 19, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be forgiven. To repent means to have a change of mind. Specifically, you have a change of mind about your sins, about Jesus, and about your need for his forgiveness. Faith, confession, and repentance all happen at the same time. You see that in the ABCs of salvation. Admit you are a sinner, believe in Jesus for salvation, and confess your sins to him and when you do you will be forgiven now here's the application once you are forgiven of your sins by Jesus you are expected to spread the good news about Jesus and the forgiveness of sin that he offers now turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24 and verse 46 to 47 let's Listen to what Jesus said. 
Jesus said the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, since we have been forgiven, we are also expected to also forgive those who trespass against us. Not only are we required to preach forgiveness of sin and repentance, we are also expected to forgive those who trespass against us. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. I think when we talked about uh, Yahweh is merciful, we dealt and went so deep about forgiveness. And uh, we talked about the, the ungrateful servant who would not forgive his friend. I hope that comes to memory. But in conclusion, in a forgiving God in an unforgiving world, Ron Lee Davis retells the true story of a priest in the Philippines, a much-loved man of God who carried the burden of a secret sin he had committed many years before. He had repented but still had no peace, no sense of God's forgiveness. In his parish was a woman who deeply loved God and who claimed to have visions in which she spoke with Christ and he with her. The priest, however, was skeptical. To test her, he said, the next time you speak with Christ, I want you to ask him what sin your priest committed while he was in seminary. The woman agreed. A few days later, the priest asked, Well, did Christ visit you in your dreams? Yes, he did, she replied. And did you ask him what sin I committed in seminary? Yes, well, what did he say? He said, I don't remember. She replied, what God forgives, he forgets. Now, we often hear this phrase, forgive and forget. How many have heard that before? Thank you. But sometimes it can be misleading. To forgive and forget does not mean that a person who has been wrong develops some kind of spiritual amnesia. Suddenly. In the Bible, remembering and forgetting has nothing to do with retention of information in the brain or in your mind. The biblical concept of remembering has to do with choosing to act, whereas forgetting means refusing to act on the basis of something. Scripture says, and this is God, 
I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Find that in Jeremiah 31, 34. God does not mean he forgets when people have sinned. You as a human being, you can't forget what your sister did the other day or your uncle. You think God can forget? But when God forgives, he chooses not to act on the basis of those sins. It is a similar thing that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, where we are told that love keeps no records of wrong. Love keeps no record of wrong. That's what it means to not remember. So, here's a challenge. Let us go home and do likewise. In our relationships, our jobs, in our neighborhoods, wherever you find yourself working or living among people, when we forgive others, we choose not to treat them as they deserve, but like they never sinned against us in the first place. I know that's hard to do, but the Holy Spirit will help you if you are willing to do that. Now, that doesn't mean you forget what they did. But you will choose not to hold them accountable or pay them with what they deserve. And that is the choice God is not going to do for you. You have to do it by yourself with the strength and help of the Holy Spirit. And somebody said, Amen. Rise to your feet and let's pray together. Eternal God, we thank you for you are such a gracious, merciful, compassionate, loving and forgiving God. Forgive us of our sins, our shortcomings, our sin, iniquity and transgression. Wash us in the blood of Jesus and give us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. Change and transform us. Help us to repent, to turn away from all wicked ways, and to follow Jesus. But also help us to be forgiven. To forgive those who trespass against us. Who harm us. And say things that are hurtful and painful behind our backs. Help us to learn to forgive and release. Not holding anybody accountable to what they deserve. I know it's tough, but may your spirit be so gracious to us. And give us the strength that we need to forgive even when it is so tough and painful to do it. 
And now to God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond that which we may ask. To the eternal, to the immortal, to the invisible, the only wise God, be glory, power, and honor. And now as we part company, may the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God our Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit go before each one of us. Because we pray and ask in the mighty name of Jesus. And somebody in the house said amen.